We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, Oregon has earned the rematch that it wanted with the Huskies. We got Oregon versus Washington round two in the Pac-12 title game. And we're back like we never left. Oregon fans, what's going on? How we living? Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast, your premier podcast for all things Oregon recruiting and Oregon football. Just in case you're new here, I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest. Super stoked to be coming to you on a Wednesday morning when you're listening or watching this Tuesday as we record and I am joined by Roman Tomashov. He is a writer at Inside the Huskies. That is our Washington site in the Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network. He's also the host of Locked on Huskies so really excited to bring him on and just kind of share some of his insight get the Washington perspective on things we got a huge game this week, and I can't wait to just cover the heck out of it. Roman, how you doing, man? Thanks for being here. Max, my friend, I'm doing great. How are you? I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I'm I'm fired up. I'm, I'm I feel like I'm counting my blessings a little bit because there's not a lot of writers that are still writing at this point. You know, it's like transfer portal stories, looking yeah. ahead to next season, coaching carousel, all that stuff. So a lot of stuff is going on right now, and I'm just excited to to still be covering the Ducks, and they're having a really special year. Both the Ducks and the Huskies are having a heck of a season. So what I want to do on this episode of the podcast for you guys listening and tuning in, whether it's on podcast or YouTube, at Oregon Football, Max Torres, like I said, just to get the Washington side of things, kind of talk about some of the early storylines and and just uh, just have some fun fun to just talk ball. So I think, Roman, one of the – areas I wanted to start, maybe a good place to start, is to just get some of your thoughts on the first iteration of Oregon versus Washington. Mid-October in Seattle, Huskies pull out a 36-33 to win over Oregon. Oh man! First of all, I, Max, like th- thank you so much for having me. This is this is great. I'm so excited to be here. That was one of the longest days of my life. Let me let me just be be frank with you. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning to get there for game day. Like I got cleared to do all, all like the whole game day stuff. And then of course the game after the game, doing all the the, the post game stuff. I worked for about eighteen hours that day, 
And like, even if the Huskies ended up losing that game, that was just one of the coolest experiences of my entire life. The energy, the atmosphere that UW provided for that day was so special and so amazing. So that, like that itself was one of the, just the coolest experiences that I know you and I as, as sports writers, as people just who cover teams that we just love is, is what we really look for. And I'm so excited that we, we get to do it again. It's kind of a bummer that it's on a neutral field because getting that same energy in Eugene or doing it in Seattle again would be so much fun, but it's, it's kind of awesome that this is kind of, because this is for, for, for what we've seen for the majority of the season, this is kind of what everything was leading to was just another blow up. And I know Twitter is just going to explode by Friday with just the amount of hatred that's going back and forth between Oregon and Washington fans too. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of the, I think toxic is probably a good way to put it. These two <laughs> fan bases absolutely abhor each other. Big word abhor. Uh, another, I feel like that's a pretty synonymous word with hate. Um, oh, so I've seen, I've seen Oregon fans saying it's Husky hate week again. Um, so probably something similar going on in the Washington circle, but yeah, dude, take, take me a little bit through kind of what you saw from, from Washington, um, with that win over Oregon, because that's obviously their biggest win of the year. It's one of the yep. biggest wins in college football right now. So what were you able to take away from that game? So one of the biggest takeaways for me is when, when Washington, they had an 11 point lead in that game. I feel like some people for, like forget that at certain points that the Huskies had a, had a two score lead in that game and were not able to capitalize. Of course, Oregon is able to jump back into it because they're, they're so talented on both sides of the ball. And they were, they were able to get back into that game, get a lead. And then of course, Washington is able to find a way to take the lead and then do just enough on the final drive to force Camden Lewis to miss a field goal. But my, my biggest takeaway from the game is something that, uh, is something I've wrote about over on inside the Huskies a little bit this week is Washington was missing two key starters on the offensive side of the ball in that game that are going to play in this one. And that's right guard Julius Bulow and wide receiver Jalen McMillan. Jalen McMillan played in the first game against Oregon, but he played five or six snaps before suffering a, a setback to a knee injury that he had suffered against Michigan State in week three. So getting him fully healthy, because we saw him play a lot, especially early on in the Apple Cup, just get involved, get some touches, and just kind of get his legs back under him, really. I think he's going to be somebody who's really key in this game. And then I'm really looking forward to watching the matchup between Brandon Dorless and Julius Bulow, because early on in uh, in that that first matchup, Brandon Dorless was doing whatever he wanted along the defensive line. He's such a talented prospect. And I know he's going to be a just a huge get for whatever NFL team ends up with his services. But I, I think that Julius Bulow, who's a really big, he's six foot nine, uh, really big offensive guard. He's got super long arms is, is going to give him some, uh, some more problems on the interior. And I think this is, this is the healthiest Washington has been in a while too, probably since the last time they played Oregon. All right. Okay. And my takeaway from that first one, Roman was, I mean, it was kind of a weird deal because I was traveling back from a buddy's wedding and I was actually in Paris at like two 30 in the morning, just like spamming Twitter for updates. And I was like getting play by play texts. So I was bummed that I wasn't able to watch it live. It was very hectic. Um, but I think just two things kind of stand out to me. I mean, Michael Penix had himself a day. That's kind of been a huge theme throughout the year. 300 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. And, and Oregon won the turnover battle, which in games like this can so often dictate the winner, but the Huskies were still right. able to pull it out. Uh, Bo Nix had another pretty strong game, 337 yards and two touchdowns. Ducks take care of the ball. They ran for 200 yards on Washington. 
Um, so I think you don't leave that game. I certainly didn't leave that game thinking any less of Oregon um, because it was just two, a battle of two great teams going at it. I do feel like right now Oregon is playing the better football of the two teams, and, and we can get into that a little bit later on. Um, but, but really, I think one of the biggest things that I'm going to have my eye on in this game is Oregon's defense and um and uh what was i gonna say like specifically the secondary uh for oregon and seeing how they're gonna do against um uh, against the uw wide receivers like you said they're getting mcmillan back at least he's in line to return Uh, i think that's one of the big matchups that i'm going to be watching and just how how uh washington's defense is going to be able to to try to get some some pressure on bo nicks because i think that's really kind of the two tails of the matchups i'm pretty confident in oregon's offense where some of the concern lies, I think, is on that defensive side of the ball. No, you're, you're absolutely right. because, And you're right, Washington has not played its best football as of late. But it kind of feels like that there's – and, and I feel like that's one of the things that kind of gets lost about Washington is that they're still finding ways to win. And at the end of the day, isn't that what matters? Like just finding a way to win and making sure that at the end of the day, you just have one more point than the opposition. Shout out to Booger McFarlane, because most of the most of the time when that happens, your team is going to win the game, most of the time. Uh, but I, I think that you're you're absolutely right, especially when you, you talk about Oregon secondary versus Washington's wide receivers, because we still saw the secondary have a really good day in the last matchup. And Michael Penix is going to throw over 300 yards on most teams, because that's just what he's done in this scheme. And with these wide receivers, uh, Roma Dunze was the finalist for the Blitnikoff award. Just, he's been just doing whatever he's wanted all season long. And then Jalen Polk has actually struggled through the last couple of games, actually has no catches through Washington's last two victories over Oregon state and Washington state. So he's somebody I'm really interested in to see if they try to get him involved early and kind of try to get his feet back under him after he had a couple of drops in both games that seem to have shaken his confidence a little bit, but I think that he's going to find a way to get back right. And then, of course, you talk about Jalen McMillan, who's played in each of Washington's last three games, and it's kind of been a steady buildup in terms of workload. And so we'll, we'll, I, I expect him to be a much bigger threat, especially over the middle of the field, which can be really, really tough. And then two other guys that, I mean, just kind of listing Washington's wide receivers here, but uh, Jeremy Bernard, who is just a gadget guy who's done so many good things in this this offense. He's such a talented player. Uh, He's been asked to return punts. He's taken handoffs out of the backfield. Uh, He catches, catches passes wherever he's lined up on the field. And then Giles Jackson, who caught a touchdown in the, in the last game, Washington kind of was uh, due due to some injuries had been trying to get him back with a red shirt and they were able to do that. So he's somebody who's going to be a full go in this game and is just, he's not necessarily the tallest guy on the field, but he always finds a way to make an impact whenever he's out there. This Washington offense clearly loaded with weapons. And and I think something to add about this Oregon secondary heading into this matchup, it looks right now, at least as, you know, as of Tuesday afternoon, Oregon could very well be shorthanded in the secondary. Jaleel Florence, a starting corner for the Ducks was seen on crutches. During the Oregon State game, he was not available in that game, did not suit up for the Ducks. Um, Dan Lenny was asked about him on, on Monday and kind of gave a little bit of a non-answer, as coaches so often do in big-time games like this, just kind of saying, you know, we're going to have to continue to evaluate those guys throughout the week. But when you see a guy on crutches, typically does not bode well for a, a turnaround that quickly. But, hey, you never know. We got to see what happens once we get out there to Las Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. But fortunately for Oregon, I think you do have some quality depth that you can lean on. 
Not necessarily saying that they are Florence's caliber, but Dante Manning is an experienced guy who's been, who stepped up last week rather uh, against Oregon state and logged his first interception at the college level. He's the highest rated corner that the ducks have ever signed, which is kind of interesting to say when you look back at his career, just hasn't quite lived up to that billing. I think in the eyes of a lot of fans, but you have him, you have Nico Reed who transferred from Colorado and he's kind of been roving around the secondary for the ducks. So I think they have some defensive momentum on their side, but that's certainly a note that is worth passing along here as we kind of take an early look at this matchup. One of the questions I have for you, Roman, we talked about, and you make, you make a good point. Like, I think we can say that Oregon is playing the better football of the two right now, but like you said, it, all that matters is that you win there. There's they've, you know, capped off an undefeated regular season, which is a tremendous accomplishment. What's the, what's the feeling would you say inside the fan base? Cause I feel like you've got to toe that line a little bit of having that confidence, but also acknowledging, Hey, I don't, I think that there's still some, some room for improvement. Uh, it's, 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 it's a very fun, very fine line to walk recently because it's the, Hey, th- this team is 12 and oh, that's awesome. This has never happened in the history of the PAC 12. Washington has never gotten through a 12 game regular season undefeated. So there's, there's that side of it, but it's also, well, this team isn't playing its best football right now. And Oregon is, is firing on all, on all cylinders right now. So that's, it's going to be a really tough matchup. And I feel like that, that part is understood. And there's, there, there's this very, very thin line in the middle of, you know, just what's what's going to happen this weekend. Obviously, we know the Ducks are nine and a half point favorites, and uh, just on most major sports books. So that's that's something that I know a lot of Washington fans have just kind of at the front of their minds right now too. And I think one of the biggest things, just kind of think about in that that's just in terms of the matchup is we talked a little bit about Washington's offensive line. It's just with Oregon's pass rush. I was really impressed when I went back and watched the film with some of the different uh, just blitzes and just some of the different things that Dale Lanning and Tosh LaPoy were able to throw at Washington's offensive line. And it was some new stuff that we hadn't really seen previously this season. And then we saw Arizona state and Stanford do some similar things, to try to get pressure. And ever since I, I know I talked about Julius Bula ever since his return, the pressure has been mitigated a little bit on Michael Penix. So I think that that's going to be just really, really key in this game is what does the pressure from Oregon's defense look like on Washington's offense? Because if Michael Penix is a clean pocket, and especially Jaleel Florence isn't able to play, he's he's going to have some time to sit back there and find somebody open because this is actually the first time this season uh, outside of the Oregon State game, which like only half counts because of all the rain that was coming down that night. Not that. Yeah, seriously. It was the only time that uh, Washington's top six wide receivers that were projected before the season uh, are able to all play in the same game together. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's a good note to kind of keep in our back pocket there. And it's interesting when you look at Penix and and Knicks, obviously two phenomenal quarterbacks that are, they're going to be going head to head. They're not, but they are. That's kind of the, the whole talking point, right? No one's out there defending the other one. Um, but they'd like both to see had, that happen. That'd be fun. <laughs> I, well, then what position would you put the quarterback? Would you line him up as a pass rusher or as a DB? Cause which Ooh, one's I put a more corner. not, not okay. In terms of where you would put Penix or like if they were to go head to head, is it, would it just be one-on-ones as a DB versus receiver? That's that, that's what I would do. Yeah. That's probably the best way to go about it. Okay. Okay. I mean, what, what a uh, world would we ever get that, but definitely a funny talking point. But the, the, the <laughs> point I was going to make Roman was that, you have two phenomenal quarterbacks going against each other, but they also have different styles. 
Obviously, you have the fact that Penix is a lefty. Not too many of those in college football or in football in general. But I think Nix excels at escaping the pocket or just being mobile and throwing off platform and, and doing those kinds of things versus Penix. Not that he's not an athlete. We know that he's an athlete, but he's not as mobile as Nix. And if he if you give that guy a clean pocket, he is going to make you pay for it. Definitely one of the best deep ball throwers in the country. So I'm super excited to see how that Oregon defensive line, defensive front gets after the Huskies. I think that they have the depth to kind of win a heavyweight slugfest like this. It really is going to come down to the secondary and how they're going to be able to play. And that really has kind of built on a theme that we've seen from landing this season, just talking about the rush and the coverage working in and, um, you know, in uh, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, in harmony, maybe I don't, I, yeah. God, I'm having a total Let's... brain fart, but working together. <laughs> and, um, and then just the thing I was going to say to wrap that one up is that Penix just does a really good job of getting the ball out. So even if the rush is getting after him, it's not going to be easy to bring that guy down. No, you're absolutely right. So actually the biggest thing that I'm going to watch in terms of just the matchup between these two quarterbacks is Bo Nix's ability to get out of the pocket and make plays out of structure. Because one thing that Washington has struggled with for the majority of the season is defending quarterbacks that can do that, that can play, that can use their legs to pick up extra yards and do things like that. And then they had their best game of the season against a mobile quarterback in this last game against Cam Ward. They were able to sack him five times. Of course, Washington State's offensive line is not Oregon's, uh, but they were able to get after, they were able to sack him five times, get good pressure on him. And there are three guys that I'm watching that can do a really good job of just kind of, giving Bo Nix a different look. And that's two edge rushers that line up as defensive tackles in what co-defensive coordinator William William Inge calls the turbo package. That's Voight Tanufi and true freshman Jacob Lane, who's really come on as of late. And then linebacker Carson Bruner. Because a lot of Washington's defensive tackles are your typical, you know, you, you think about these big 300-pounders like Tule Tule Gasanoa, who's a really good run, run stopper, MJ Ale, who's really come along after transitioning over from the offensive line last season. So those guys are really good at stopping the run. But then in some of these obvious passing downs, we've seen Washington opt for a smaller, faster group. And we really saw it pay off in this last game where Carson Bruner also at linebacker has just provided a lot of speed on the second level and is just kind of able to cover sideline to sideline a little bit better than some of the other guys on the roster. He recorded 14 tackles in this last game. So those three guys adding that extra speed element, because there were a couple times that I noticed from up in the press box during that first game where Bo Nix was able to just kind of roll out. I remember the one play where he picked up like a third and 12, I think with his legs where both the cornerback and the linebacker on that side kind of dropped back and waited for him to cross the line of scrimmage. And waited even like before he got five or six yards downfield before they collapsed down on him and he ended up picking up the first down. But I think that just having the extra speed and some of the just what, what these guys can provide in terms of keeping him in the pocket is going to be something that I'm really looking forward to watching in this game. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Talking with Roman Tomashoff on today's episode of the Ducks Dish podcast. We're getting into some Oregon versus Washington Pac-12 title talk. The last Pac-12 title is on the line in Las Vegas. We just got some players to watch from Roman, which is awesome insight to add. And you talked about how Bo Nix can use his legs. I think that's been one of the more interesting things that I've been following this year is because he has run so sparingly compared to a year ago against Kenny Dillingham. And I think that's by design because you he's obviously so important to this team. That's the case with any quarterback. But seriously, with, with Nick's, uh, he did run, I think it was six times last week against Oregon State. So... Maybe we do see him run a little bit, but that uh, defensive front is certainly really talented with guys like Trice. The one guy I want to ask you about, Roman, for kind of your take, I was watching the last, I watched some of the Apple Cup, but I also watched the Washington-Oregon State game, and one dude that really caught my eye, I feel like he was just literally all over the field, was cornerback Jabbar Muhammad, has absolutely come on this season, the Oklahoma State transfer out of DeSoto, Texas. What can you tell me about him? I know the Huskies have historically been known for their DBs. I, I love Jabbar. He's one of my favorite people to talk to on, on that team. We, the, he and I have developed a great relationship over the course of the year. And he was so impressive in that game because you're, you're right, Max. Not only did he have two picks and four pass breakups in that game, he actually had a 0.0 passer rating when targeted in that game. He was unbelievable. And Troy Franklin got a couple of nice, nice grabs on him last, last time. And Jabbar is a shorter guy. He's listed at five foot 10 on, on the roster. So matching him up against a bigger receiver means that every, every once in a while he's, he's going to get got that's, that's something that's going to happen, but he is such a sticky corner in man coverage. He does a really, really good job with his feet. He excels in press, press bail, just every, every different type of coverage. And one thing that um, co-defensive coordinator, Chuck Morrell talked about after that game, is that, and it's something I also wrote about over on Inside the Huskies, is that this is why they brought Jabari, in. Somebody who they're really comfortable leaving out on an island, just trusting against, you know, in this case it would be Troy Franklin, just trusting him against the opponent's top receiver. and just saying, we, we know you're going to win more of these battles than not. And Jabbar has just been so good all season long. And he's somebody who I think could really make a big impact in this game. So the Huskies defense is, is certainly coming together. I think Oregon's got some really good weapons. Troy Franklin is obviously the biggest one that uh, the secondary is going to be looking at, but Bucky Irving's a guy who has had a really good year, second straight year with a thousand rushing yards. 
another guy that I think is is worth a mention now has kind of been flying under the radar this year for the Ducks is wide receiver Tez Johnson because you you look at the start of the season kind of a little bit of a a slow deal. Um, you know he did have three touchdowns in in non conference, but then he didn't score again until late October. But now you look at the stat sheet, Roman, and he has seventy catches for nine hundred and forty two yards and nine touchdowns. So he has just really turned it on here in the back half of the season. And I think he's been a tremendous compliment to Troy Franklin. So even if the Huskies were able to kind of keep Franklin in check, I think that he's certainly someone that you got to keep an eye on um, as, as a defensive coordinator uh, over at Washington. So there's a lot of guys that can, can really do a lot of special things with this offense. And I think it just kind of further emphasizes, drives home the point that balance has been such a, a huge key to Oregon's success, whether that's personnel or just passing and running the ball. No, Max, you're absolutely right. I think Tez Johnson has a chance to make just to, just to be one of the X factors in this game where Washington. Uh, so they got a uh, Husky defender, which is what they call their, their nickel position, really sometimes a Husky, sometimes a safety Cameron Fabiculon back from an injury that he's missed some time with over the last month or so. And he, he's somebody who could play that role really well, but, uh, nickel defender Michelle Powell, who's been the primary guy in there this season, has also done a really, really good job. He kind of made the move from outside corner last year to that Husky position where he's done a really good job in run defense. And it has been been awesome, and especially defending guys over the middle of the field. So he's somebody that I think has the chance to stay with Tez, but Tez is just so slippery. He's such a good route runner that I think that he's definitely going to win a couple of those matchups. One of the themes of this Washington defense all season, especially over the second half of the year where the offense has struggled a little bit, the defense has needed to pick up the slack at times, is that they've done enough when asked, where they really struggled in the first half against Utah. They gave up 27 points, I think it was. or they And then in the, in the second half, they threw up a goose egg. They only gave up 75 yards of total offense in the second half. And time in and time out, this Husky defense hasn't been great but they have done enough where it mattered. And where I'm really looking at that, that impact is not just with Bucky Irving because he's just so tough to tackle. Like I'm, I'm looking forward to drafting that guy on one of my dynasty fantasy football teams, because he's just going to be so, so hard to tackle even at the NFL level, but it's not just him. It's Jordan James too. I've been really, really impressed with Jordan James after the Noah Whittington injury. So I'm, I'm really curious to see kind of how that, two-headed backfield is used in this game because Washington has had some issues tackling at times. And like I talked about Carson Bruner a little bit ago, he's been somebody who's really done a good job at mitigating some of those issues, but also Edifani Wilfosio has done a really good job. Raylan Goforth has been excellent. The USC transfer in, in run defense as well. And then Alfonso Tupatala, who missed uh, the Oregon state game with an injury is still kind of working his way back. He played against Washington state, but having those four guys in there, will hopefully just lead to a better outcome in terms of tackling, because that's been one of the biggest issues for the Huskies over the course of the season. Another guy I have to ask you about, I've really enjoyed watching him play this year, running back Dylan Johnson. That dude runs hard. He has been such a force for the the Husky offense, transferred over from uh, Mississippi State. Um, And, you know, he's had some really big performances here in the last couple of weeks. Uh, 256, 104, 89, 82. Those are the rushing totals for him over the last four weeks. It really feels like he is that bell cow running back for the Huskies. I think he was battling a foot injury. I wanted to say I read somewhere. Um, would love kind of just your thoughts on the latest with Dylan Johnson and kind of what he means to this group. 
Yeah. So Dylan, there, there's, a, there's a lot to say about Dylan. He's such a wonderful kid. He was originally supposed to be in a, a timeshare with running back Cameron Davis, who suffered an injury before the season even got underway during like the last week of, of the preseason. Uh, so it was originally supposed to be those two guys splitting the load, but then Dylan has kind of really come on over the course of the season and turned into exactly what we all kind of hoped and expected he would. And the, one of the, the biggest things about Dylan is in the biggest moments he has been at his best. He ran for a hundred yards in the first game against Oregon. That was actually his first uh, hundred yard performance of the season. And then of course, 256 against USC, uh, 104 against Utah. The only um, ranked opponent he actually hasn't rushed for over hundred yards against was Oregon state. And that was when, as, as you said, Max, he got stepped on late in the fourth quarter and kind of been dealing with that. And he said, he's as healthy as he could possibly be. Now I talked to him as we record this today on Tuesday, I, I talked to him a little bit earlier on in the day. He said, yeah, you know, we're all dealing with certain things at this point, but you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling as good as I possibly can. And being somebody as he, as I said, he rushed for over hundred yards in each of Washington's first, uh, I mean, three rank wins. Uh, he averages 23 carries a, a game through through those those performances before the injury. So he's somebody who I expect the Huskies to rely on. And when he's able to just get moving and get downhill, he's a really, really tough guy to tackle too. Another guy I want to talk to you about is the man in charge, Kalen DeBoer. I mean, we've been talking about all these players and obviously we need to talk about them because they're the ones that are going to be strapping it up on uh, on Friday to go play. But Kalen DeBoer comes over uh, a couple years, two years ago, I think it was, or last season, uh, over from Indiana. And we we know the story reunited with Michael Penix. They were both at Indiana together. And obviously having a quarterback that you're familiar with is something that's going to reap tremendous benefits. Look at Kenny Dillingham and Bo Nix. So a lot of people probably want to talk about that, but Let's look at the big picture, not just the offense. What what's impressed you about Kalen DeBoer? What do you think makes him special as a head coach right now? It's who he is as a person. I do have to say one thing. He came over from Fresno State after being the oh, offensive Jesus. coordinator. Yeah, Fresno end. State. Uh, wow, that <laughs> yes. was a brain fart. Thank you. <laughs> hey, we all have those. Uh, but uh, so yeah, so he came over from Fresno State, and the the biggest thing, the the thing that jumped out to me right off the bat, is just he's such a genuine person. And I, I've talked to multiple members of his staff, his recruiting staff, who said, yeah, you know, right off the bat, like it was hard to get the players to, tr- to trust us because like we, they didn't know what they were walking into with us. We didn't know what we were walking into with them. And of course, everybody knows what the Jimmy Lake situation that happened in the 2021 game against Oregon. And that was kind of just, you know, a bleed over of a whole bunch of other issues uh, under that coaching staff's regime. And it was so obvious and how quickly every, that everybody just bought into what Kalen DeBoer was selling. And from just conversations I've had with him and just from the vibe that he gives off in any interview, whenever you talk to him is that everything that he is telling you is as honest, straightforward and genuine as can possibly be. And that's why he's done such a great job building a culture at Washington. And then of course you look at his offense that he and Ryan Grubb have been developing for 10, 15 years at this point. And it's just so innovative and they do such a good job of just utilizing the talent that they have, especially at the wide receiver position. They've done such a good job at developing Michael Penix and, you know, protecting him and making sure he's healthy. And they've done such a good job with all the talent that they inherited. And then they've put them in a position to succeed. And that's something where as long as he's the head coach of this university, which I think is going to be for a very, very long time, that you can expect to see the, the Huskies to have a dynamic offense that just can light you up for 40, 50 points on any given week. 
DeBoer definitely solidifying himself as a, a special coach. I think even though Washington is as high profile as they've been in a while, I think he probably doesn't get discussed very much nationally, I feel like. So cool to get your insight there. Got to give a shout out to Ryan Grubb because I was watching that Apple Cup and oh my God, that fourth down reverse call was just ice cold. I mean, um, God, I, I, I think I was rooting for maybe a little bit of chaos with the Cougs there. Uh, was surprised it, it came down to what it did, but man, you got to give him some props for that play call. That was just phenomenal. Oh, hundred percent. I was so I was actually standing on the sideline on the far side of the Husky bench. So I, from from my view, I saw the fake handoff and I was like, oh, okay, they did the you know the the conservative get a yard, get the first down kind of play. And then I I just hear everybody start cheering, and I see Roma Dunze like running directly towards me with the ball, and I was like, what what was this call? It was just, it was unbelievable to see that. And just like the whole bench, the sidelines, all the, the staffers that were staying around me were just going crazy. It was, it was so cool to see that. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, I, I know we're, uh, we're kind of winding down a little bit on the pod, but I wanted to kind of just give you a chance to give your final thoughts on this game before Oregon and Washington face off again on, uh, on Friday. Yeah, this is, whew, it's, it's going to be just, a truly incredible matchup. Like I saw, I, 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 I wish I could give some props to the account, but somebody called it cinema part two in terms of what this, this game is going to be. And it really is just going to be so fantastic. And it's really cool. Like RIP to the PAC 12. I got, I got to say that I got to make sure I get that in there, but that it's, it's so cool that the PAC 12 is going to kind of go out on such a high note because both these teams are truly incredible talented from top to bottom and there's so much to like about both of these rosters that i think that we're in for just an absolutely spectacular ball game yeah with how they played the first time around i think it's probably going to be a close game um i need to write my score prediction story i i, I think oregon's going to pull it out i know how hard it is to, to beat the same team uh multiple times in, in the same season um and like we've kind of talked about I, I just feel like there's a lot of confidence coming from them with how They've been playing lately, um, just really clean football. The penalties have been popping up here and there, and then we know that Camden Lewis is in a bit of a funk right now. So I know Duck fans don't want this to come down to a kick, as it did the first time. It just seems like uh, one that's really rattled him since that game. But I think both teams are going to show up. Um, I think it's 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 going to be fun to have it at a neutral site because you'll have the two fan bases kind of battling for control of the stadium, if you will. And, uh, man, you, you just could not be on a bigger stage. Um, a spot in the playoff is is up for grabs. And the final Pac-12 title game, I, I'm just super, super excited to get out there. I couldn't agree with you more. Right on, right on. Well, before we get you out of here, Roman, let the people know where they can find what you got going on and the rest of your work in the college football space. Yeah, absolutely. I know this is since, since, since this is a duck podcast. I'm expecting lots of hate. I get it. I'm prepared for it. Does it doesn't bother me too much? So so bring it on. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at r thomashoff34. That's r t o m a s h o f f three four. Uh, you can find all all my written work on Inside the Huskies with Fan Nation and Sports Illustrated. And please be, feel free to check out our podcast as well. It's at Locked On Huskies. We're on Twitter there. You can find us on YouTube and wherever else you get your podcast. Feel please feel free to turn in, tune into an episode. We have a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, it's a lot of husky talk. So I, I you know I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna warn you up front about that part. But it's it's a lot of fun. We'd we'd really love to to see you come in for an episode or two. And hey, maybe stick around for longer. 
There you go. Well, Roman's got you covered. If you want to get up to speed on the Huskies, that's why I brought him on today's episode. If you want to find more of me, make sure you lock in with me on social media at MTorres Sports on both Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to my YouTube channel at Oregon Football Max Torres. We are on the road to 3K. That is the current goal. Appreciate you guys for the support. And you can read all of my written work on Oregon football and Oregon football recruiting over on DucksDigest.com. A big thank you to Roman for coming on. Thank you to you guys, the audience, for taking some time to talk some football with us, some duck football, and we will catch you in the next episode of the Ducks Dish Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.